Welcome to Locally Source Joey. It's time to chat NBA. The Oscars are tonight, but we don't really care about that. So we have brought back Felipe Yanez, good friend from the University of Miami, now living out in California, to chat some NBA. Felipe, thanks for coming back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. You know, the ball is life. Basketball is my favorite passion. And I uh, can't think of a better person to talk about basketball with than you, Joe. Excellent. Looking forward to it. We just passed the NBA trade deadline and probably not the most dramatic. I'd say the biggest news was clearly the DeMarcus Cousins trade, which happened on All-Star Sunday. But a few mm-hmm. a few kind of fringe moves that maybe went a little bit under the wire. So who were some of your winners and losers from the trade deadline? Um, well, first of all, the, like you said before, the trade deadline was, I think the, the bulk of the good trades were a few days before the trade deadline. Like I know, uh, Serge Ibaka going to Toronto, um, wasn't exact, was a week or two before the trade deadline, but, um, I feel like that, that trade is definitely gonna, I don't think it's going to give Toronto the push to make it to the finals or to even make it competitive against LeBron. But uh, I feel like Serge Ibaka is a good uh, two-way player for for Toronto, and I think that's going to definitely pay some dividends, give the Raptors a little bit of help um, on their playoff push. Uh, I also I like the Thunder uh, trade. I like they let's see they picked up um, I believe Taj Gibson, your uh, your former boy. He must have been a little sad to see him go. Um, and uh, Dougie McBucket. Not uh, sad to I see think, him go. <laughs> I, I don't. The Thunder had a problem of filling a lot of the voids that all of the players they've lost over the years have left. Like Durant, you need some scoring from Durant. You need some defense from Ibaka. And it's really just Westbrook's team um, to do whatever he wants for. And he didn't really have any help around him. So I did like that the Thunder um, made some moves to at least uh, make their team a little bit more competitive. Um is it going to be enough? I really don't know. I'm still kind of waiting for Doug McDermott to really come into his own as a player or if he's just going to be like a just a small forward version of Jimmer Fredette. So I hey, Jimmer dropped like, 73 uh, in China the other I day. The, I, want, <laughs> I want the Thunder to be successful because they're a fun team to watch, and I love Westbrook. But um, uh, I think I, that was probably the biggest move as far as talent going from one team to another. Um, I have to ask you, like, how did as a as a big Bulls fan, like, how did you feel about losing one of the longest tenured uh, Bulls in franchise history, and Taj Gibson, and uh, losing uh, Doug McDermott, who you know, I guess he was hit or miss sometimes. So, what do you think about that trade? Uh, I've never been a Doug McDermott fan, so that part I wasn't too uh, t- torn up about losing Taj is. So here's the thing. I don't know how much of a Bulls fan I am anymore just because of all the frustration <laughs> that goes on in these this front office just all the time. They're they're not very entertaining to watch. I know they're on a little bit of a winning streak right now, but it's just I don't know, it's just kind of a mess. And I also it's hard to watch the games living in Austin. I have not oh, not uh, indulged in league pass in the past few years, so it's a little bit harder to to keep tabs on uh, all of their games. But definitely was sad to see Taj go. But at the same time, I was kind of glad to see him go to a better situation. Uh, I don't know if him joining the Thunder really pushes the needle that much. But it could maybe. I mean, they're four games out of the fourth seed right now. And it could maybe get them up to a home court advantage in the first playoff. 
or in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and he, um, he's just a great, like, a great glue guy to have on the team. And he can play in the post. He can step out and hit a jumper. And he can kind of guard, you know, a Durant or a Kawhi on the perimeter for a little bit, which is, mm-hmm. I think, an underrated part of his game is that he actually is a pretty good perimeter defender for being 6'9 and 250 or whatever his weight is. Um, I wanted to piggyback on uh, players going from a, a poor situation to a better situation. Uh, my uh, beloved Lakers got rid of easily the most uh, beloved Lakers that we've had in this short post-Kobe uh, era. We got rid of Lou Will, the sixth man like Lou Will. Um, and I'll, although like this was something that we were expecting that we were trying to get some value for. I am glad that we were able to get a first-round pick because there's no guarantee we're going to keep our pick. And I am happy that Lou Will now has a chance to keep, compete for a title, especially on this Rockets team, which is blazing hot. And I feel like they're playing the war, uh, Warriors game better than the Warriors are even as far as all these three-point sh- shots going up. And I, I, I can't be happier for Lou Williams. And I think the Lou Will trade, um, might have the the biz, biggest repercussions for any playoff contender. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about Cousins and uh, what's he going to do with the Pelicans, but, um, I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. The Pelicans are still about four games out of the playoffs, and I've happened to catch both of the Pelicans games that they've had since the trade went down, and they've lost by an average of about 25 points or something ridiculous like that. And um, it's just I, I don't see New Orleans really making a lot of noise. Well, they also they also played the Rockets and the really Spurs guard, yeah. uh, on their team anymore. I yeah. think their best guards Drew Holiday and maybe Timothy Frazier is like their second best guard. So I don't know what New Orleans is going to do. Yeah, I I mean they I believe they're I know they played the Rockets. I believe they played the Spurs was their other game. So I'm not super surprised they got crushed in both of those. But yeah, it's just. I don't see the Pelicans making a push to that eight seed because they they have a very tough schedule coming up and it takes time to gel. Like you have two great players on the team, but they haven't played together before. I know so many people are like, "Oh, they both played at Kentucky, so that's a bond." And like, sure, maybe when they're talking to each other, they can reference Kentucky times, but they weren't on the same roster, so I don't yeah. know why people would think like, "Oh, that's immediately like you both played at the same college like a couple years apart." So. You'll be fine. But, yeah, I I agree that the Lou Williams trade, I think, is probably going to have the biggest repercussions because he is already contributing. He just stepped in. Speaking of someone immediately acclimating to their surroundings, that's like the perfect landing spot for him where he can jack up threes and it's not an issue. (laughs) And it just floats. He doesn't have to, on the Rockets, he doesn't have to really fit any role. Like, he's one of those players where you just put him in with whatever players that you have on the court at the time, and he's going to find a way to score some buckets. Like he's one of the, I think, premier playmakers in the same vein as like Jamal Crawford. Like he's not going to be like a LeBron or a Durant where, you know, he's going to completely take over the game, but he is somebody that's been scoring a lot of points and bunches for a very long time. And I think the Rockets are kind of like, um, they're they're a funky bunch. They got a lot of uh, they got a lot of scores on that team, a lot of shooters, and there's there's too many weapons that you can match up with um, on the Rockets where you don't know 
who's going to go off on any any night. So I, I I'm going to keep my close eye on the Rockets this year, and I could even see them maybe even pushing Golden State to like a seventh game um, if it were to come down to that in the conference finals or the conference semi. Yeah, I, so, I would uh, love I'm, to see them match up. I'm always, I've other. always been a Dwight Howard hater, too. <laughs> so uh, I could actually kind of root for the Rockets a little bit now, especially since uh, Dwight Howard's no longer on the team. Nice. And I think they gave Lou Williams Howard's old number, right? It only took like six months to, <laughs> to move on from him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, Dwight, anything of Dwight's is always up for grabs as soon as he leaves the team. That's you know? fair. <laughs> That is fair. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Jamal Crawford as well, because if there are any players that can play until they're 50 years old, I think it's Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams. I, I, yep. Hopefully both, because their games are just built for longevity, and I would definitely not be surprised, like 20 years from now, we still see both of them in the league, which would be amazing. Yeah, I, in fact, I think my that was one of my dad's favorite players in high school was uh, Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford, so I definitely could see them uh, sticking around. Putting up more points in the playoffs. I love it. Who's your big loser of uh, the trade? Well, I guess not deadline, but the trade like a couple weeks before the deadline. True. Um, you know what? Like, obviously, you got to scratch your head at what the Kings are doing with their franchise. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like they got next to nothing for uh, DeMarcus Cousins. And uh, I know Vladdy was saying that he was even getting better deals the um, – the few days leading up to that trade, um, I just got to wonder what what's going through Sacramento's mind. I feel like they're always going to be in that sub-playoff purgatory where they're not bad enough to have a top three pick, but they're also never going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Then, looking at all the draft picks they've had in like the last five or ten years, they've always had like six, seven, eight overall picks. And usually the your blue chippers are going to be going in the few first few picks. So mm-hmm. I, I really don't see what Sacramento is uh, um, trying to accomplish for the for um, the future. And then also I, I want to bring up, and they're a great team, and I could definitely see them giving Cleveland a run for their money. But I feel like the Celtics had every bit of every piece that they could have dangled in front of. Uh, the Pacers for Paul George or the Bulls for Jimmy Butler to get this um, a big-time piece to uh, push their team over the top. And uh, even though I hate the Celtics as a Lakers fan, I was a little disappointed in them that they didn't uh, pull the trigger on one of these bigger deals because I honestly was thinking that they were really just one piece away from maybe even being better than Cleveland. But uh, I, I expected more out of Boston. So I'd say Boston... Uh, other than Sacramento, are probably my two biggest uh, losers in the playoffs, or for the trade deadline. Yeah, I know. What did you, who, what did you expect? Who, who did you uh, want to see make some moves or made the wrong move? I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> the Bulls always making wrong moves, but I, I was, I was very surprised in that trade. Just I don't know why I'm going back to this Bulls Thunder trade, but just that the Bulls were the one giving up a pick. That I like read that, and I'm like, is that? A misprint? Like, the Thunder should be giving up the pick, right? They're getting the two best players. I don't know. It was very weird. But I'm with you with the Celtics that I think that this... I mean, I know Danny Ainge is sitting on this young core. They've got three, possibly four guys that are 22 or younger. So I know he's, you know, grooming and and building it. Um, But it did seem like this might have been the year where, you know, Kevin Love is hurt. 
LeBron's got an illness. Maybe that keeps him out for 50 straight games. Who knows? But it seemed like it was <laughs> the time for the Celtics to make a move. And they do have a lot of assets. And it's, I know it's hard to be like, they have the Nets pick, which is very likely going to be the best odds for getting the number one pick. Although we've seen that's not always what ends up happening. But if you can get a player that's already a top, I think we can both agree Paul George and Jimmy Butler, however you want to rank them, are top 15 players at least in the league, if not top 10. And if you can get that, a veteran that's been in the league and is in their prime for a first-round pick and maybe, you know, a couple complimentary pieces, I think you can go ahead and do that. And the Celtics, again, just sitting on their hands, and I think it's got to be very frustrating being a Boston fan right now, but not too frustrating because the Patriots just... Sure. Yeah. Pulled off a crazy comeback, so uh, I don't feel too bad. For yeah, <laughs> I, I like what you said about um, how planning for the future. Because although, like you said, they do have a lot of young pieces, I'm looking at the standings right there, right now, and there's only one team ahead of them in the East, and that's Cleveland. So although you are trying to build for your future, you're primed to win now. You have the wins, and you have the talent. You have an excellent player in Isaiah Thomas. One of the I I might even give him the most improved award, which, you know, you could kind of take with a grain of salt mm-hmm. uh, for what that award really means. But you have all, a lot of pieces to win new games now, and I I think they they might have uh, missed, the, missed their opportunity. Yeah, so, was, But, you know, we'll see when it comes around in the playoffs. I was uh, listening to the, the Starters podcast earlier, and they brought up a point which I thought was kind of interesting, that if the Celtics had won last year, even just won like a play- playoff series. They lost to the Hawks uh, in the first round. And if they had even won that, then maybe Danny Ainge does pull the trigger at this trade deadline because he thinks like, oh, that's, you know, that's the missing piece to get there. But having seen this group of guys never actually win in the playoffs, maybe he still thinks they're a year or two away. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to see, to see at least a little bit of a push. Instead, the Cavs make uh, no really no trade and are going to end up with Darren Williams and maybe Andrew Bogut too. So hey, you know what? Rich get whole, richer. <laughs> I'll go back to early in the season. I was a little surprised that uh, um, Cleveland's acquisition of Kyle Korver, just because how little they'd had to give up to the Hawks to get him. Like, I think they gave up Mike Dunleavy and what's going to end up being the 29th or 30th pick in next year's draft for arguably the, premier shooter in the NBA. He's been, he, I mean, he knocked down like six, seven threes earlier this week or uh, right before the All-Star game. And it's it's kind of not fair that everybody wants to play for LeBron, but when you have the best, one of the best players in the league on your team, you're, you kind of have like a, a player GM that could get these uh, talented players like Darren Williams to play with him in Cleveland. So even though... Um, Cleveland didn't really make a lot of moves. They didn't really need a lot of moves, and they're kind of the master of uh, master of the waiver wires and of the buyout uh, the ba- the buyout wire, which yeah. uh, they're going to do with Darren Williams. <laughs> yeah, they play it well. So, uh, quick side note on LeBron: Have you seen his show, The Wall? I haven't. I have not. Uh, I think you'd you'd like it. I think, but I I suggest watching it. Uh, I suggest DVRing it. Because there's a lot of buildup for the actual amount of action. I'd say it's probably like maybe 18 to 20 minutes of like actual content uh, spread out over an hour. You know, they have a whole 
build up of why these are great people that deserve money, blah blah blah. Which is, I mean, fine. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good stories. But if you're if you're in it just for watching the giant plinko, which I am primarily, <laughs> I then <laughs> definitely suggest DVR again. So. I will, I'll, I'll give it a the the wall with LeBron. In it. Yeah. Okay. So the next uh, the next time you're on the podcast, we'll chat about the wall for an hour, and it'll be wonderful. Okay. Um, so one one okay. final note from, uh, not even really from the trade deadline, but for uh, NBA All Star Weekend. Um, what was I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because the game was a travesty being. What's the final score, like 192, 182, something like that? Yeah, they combined for something like 380, 385 yes. points, something out of hand like that. Just no defense. So, actually, let's two questions for you. Number one, what was your favorite dunk from the dunk contest? And number two, what is something you would do to make the All-Star game more watchable, since it's basically just a parade of alley-oops right now? Well, to be honest, as far as dunks in the dunk contest, I... I... If only for the, the Snapchat uh, uh, effect <laughs> with uh, having DJ Khaled Snapchat getting dunked on um, by, uh, I, I don't even remember, was that Aaron Gordon that dunked that over? That was uh, DeAndre Jordan, your boy in yeah, the like, Clippers, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I would, um, that was probably my favorite dunk. Um, I actually like the dunks in the All-Star game a little bit better. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about All-Star games when I was a kid was all these uh, passes off the backboard that Vince Carter and T-Mac would used to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I never really realized, I always thought that was something you got to do to yourself to make your own dunk look good. But I was really impressed at um, how many uh, passes off the backboard Westbrook was throwing to other players. And it was, that's probably uh, one of the un- underrated aspects of the All-Star game is just like the, the unselfishness and the, the pomp and circumstance of all these crazy dunks uh, by um, by these superstars. So those are probably my favorite dunks were actually in the um, the All Star game. Um, but going back to your question about uh, what I would do to improve the dunk contest, something like that, right? Yeah, um, either the, either the dunk contest or the All Star game itself. Like maybe I honestly encourage some like defense. Yeah, the, I've seen it all in the dunk contest. Um, I almost kind of want them to bring back the the wheel of dunks that they had. Oh uh, man! Like ten years ago, <laughs> might be the only Anderson. one. <laughs> they might need to bring that back just to bring a little bit of variety um, back into the dunk contest. But uh, I actually wrote on my Twitter account like the things that I that I want to see in the dunk contest for me to say that the dunk contest is quote unquote back. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I want to see a flip. In midair, which I'm pretty sure is impossible. So I want to see uh, somebody actually do some kind of like either a back handspring, front handspring or something, throw the ball off the backboard and actually flip ankles over their ears in air to do a dunk. Not sure that's ever going to happen. So kind of like Corey um, Maggetti, but taking it to the next level of... Oh, yeah. All those little dunk yeah. crews that, they, that each team has at, uh, during the timeouts and the quarters, I want to see something like that, but without a trampoline. Nice. <laughs> um, I'd love to see a good 720 dunk. I feel like that's something that is possible for somebody to do, um, but I don't know if the NBA current NBA players are really focusing on that aspect of their game, a 720 dunk. Um, and then finally, uh, and this is probably like the most far-fetched idea I could think of, but I want to see someone... Uh, catch 
and and dunk the ball with their ankles. So if they could like catch like run up and try to catch it as close, have try to kick the rim basically. Um, that'd be something interesting that I would like to see is uh, is a dunk is a dunk contest with uh, uh, catching a ball with the ankles. Other than that, I mean, what ideas would you like to see to improve the dunk contest? Uh, it's hard to beat the ankle dunk. That's pretty. That's pretty spectacular. <laughs> it's a vision I've had in my head that I, I just would really like to see, even if it's, it's, I, it has to be in space. I liked uh, Aaron Gordon's uh, drone idea, but I thought it would have been more impressive if the drone was like a lot higher. I mean, maybe you have to worry about like the wind factor, or, like you know, gravity screwing something up. But if the if dropped the ball from much higher and then he caught it in the air and dunked it. Uh, because yeah, as it was, I it was like just kind of like a bounce pass. And then when it failed, like, just drunk, dunk the drone. Like, once he failed the first time, just have the drone fly over and dunk it. I thought I think that would be cooler than, like, waiting for the ball to reload. And, I mean, you know, especially, too, after, like, the second time where it didn't work. Like, at that point, the, the wind has kind of been sucked out of the crowd. So why not just get it back by not even dunking a basketball, but dunking a drone instead? <laughs> Uh, one could only hope. I mean, I feel like he was on the right track with uh, with the gimmick, with the drone gimmick. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of waiting for somebody to like dunk on a hoverboard now. Now that you, now that someone's done the well, the he kind of he kind of did that last year with uh, with stuff. The mascot being on the hoverboard. So I like that he's oh, like yeah. he's thinking of the the technology. So maybe he'll have like Alexa voice or something next year. Although that's probably <laughs> he'll Alexa, probably be a new yeah. <laughs> How great would that be? And then Alexa throws. Oh man, we gotta we gotta you reach know, I, out to him. I him like now. Aaron Gordon in in the next two or three dunk contests. I think another example would be like um, for to improve it, maybe get last year's current winner. Um, maybe get like a player's choice, like write in mm-hmm. to uh, to who they the players would want to uh, be in the dunk contest, and then have like a fan's choice. And then, like a wild card kind of dunker, there needs to be something uh, to mix up the the talent pool of of the dunk contest. Maybe either by expanding it or just thinking of more creative ways to uh, select some of these players. Um, that'd be something I could think of that'd be pretty that might change it up a little bit. It needs a little in, infusion of something though, because uh, I don't know. The dunk contest is supposed to be like the most exciting, like non all-star competition like it's better than like the skills competition better than like the home run contest uh and you got to keep it up to keep it at the top you got to give a little infusion of fun into it into an already a fun event yeah well we'll uh we'll tweet our ideas at aaron gordon and maybe next year we'll see some some magic some alexa alley-oops <laughs> yeah definitely that's the dream all right let's move away from the the All-Star, and to the games that actually count, which is the big playoff push here. I always think the All-Star game is the halfway point of the season, but it's really like the two-thirds of the way part of the season. Closer to two-thirds. Yeah, Yeah. so we've got about 25 to 30 games for most of these teams uh, left on the season. So it it looks like, you know, the top half of the playoff uh, picture for each each of the leagues, at least the top three seeds, I would say, are, are... Cleveland Celtics, basically uh, a lock to stay in. Wizards, spot. Raptors, yeah, to yeah, stay I in the playoffs, that. and then Warriors, Spurs, Rockets on the other side. But who's a team that you think is going to make a push? You know, maybe get into home court advantage in the first round, or who who 
who's currently in do you think is going to drop out? Who from the outside is going to come crash the party and sneak in as an eight and seven seed? What you got? Well, I'm looking at the bottom half of the East, and these these are all the same usual suspects that we've gone accustomed to as far as losing in the first round or losing in the semis of the East, and that's the Hawks, the Bulls, and the Pacers at uh, 5, 6, and 7. Um, I mean, have they, there's been really nothing that's really impressed me about any of those teams. In fact, I'd say even the Pacers and the Bulls and the Hawks, all three of those teams kind of took a step back. They all lost uh, at least one significant player um, uh, in the last uh, few weeks or during the course of this season. Uh, I don't really see any of those three teams making a noise in the playoffs. Um, I would like to see, uh, right now, the Heat are currently in the ninth spot, and I feel like they have, uh, they got a really scrappy team. There's no real uh, big-name stars, unless you want to call Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside big-time stars. Um, but I would, I, I'm curious to see what the Heat are capable of doing um, to make that playoff push. I know they had a big winning streak um, going into the All-Star break, um, so I, I keep an eye out for Miami in the East as far as making a playoff push. Uh, I also thought the Hornets were supposed to be a little bit better than what their record shows right now. Right now they're at the 11th spot, only uh, about three games out of the playoffs. But uh, just to go back to the Serge Ibaka trade, uh, I'm going to say Toronto again. That's going to be the team that um, I don't think any team is looking forward to playing um, in, this year's pl- in this year's playoffs in the East. So I would take a look out for uh, Toronto and East and maybe seeing them make it to uh, the conference uh, finals again against Cleveland. And then Boston, I feel like Boston surprised everybody this year. And even though they didn't make that big trade that they needed to make um, to get to the next level, they're already better than every team in the East other than Cleveland. So um, I could see Boston making some noise, maybe making some noise in the playoffs, but I mean, is anyone picking another team besides Cleveland in the East? Like, I, I don't, I don't see anybody. At least, I don't even see anybody taking uh, Cleveland to a game six or a game seven. I think it's gonna, it's gonna be a wash for them all the way to the finals. What do you think about the East? Who's, who's got your attention? Man, it's a sad, it's a sad conference. Um, I, I do want to give a shout out to the Nets who have lost sixteen games in a row. Man, they're bad. Yeah. They haven't even won 10 games. They've played 58, and they've won 9 of them. That's I think the funniest part about that appalling. is to keep their pick out of the whole thing. So I know. No reward. Literally, no yeah. Reward. No reward except a lesson in not making terrible trades. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'd like to see the Heat make it. Uh, I know I picked the Pacers as kind of my dark horse team, but I'd be fine if the Heat kind of swapped with them. Uh, I think... Mm-hmm. Either Heat Celtics or Heat Cavs would be a really entertaining first round matchup, and I don't think the Heat would win or even really threaten in either of those games. But I think it would be fun to watch, which is really all you can hope for with a lot of first round playoff series. Is that that it's just entertaining? I I agree that the Raptors I think are probably the the best shot at reaching the conference finals opposite the Cavs, um, assuming they get up to the three seed or the two seed. I think in a, a seven-game series with Boston, Raptors having that playoff experience from last year, going to seven games in each of the first two rounds, 
that's a mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of playoff mileage and experience that they got so i think that does help a little bit and against a celtics team that we mentioned earlier didn't win a playoff series with this this core group of people i i think they will obviously do that in their first round series but if they played the raptors in round two i'd i'd give the edge to toronto as we just saw a couple nights ago when toronto beat them but i know regular season doesn't really matter that much because <laughs> if they did the bulls yeah, would sweep the Cavs, and that's not gonna happen <laughs> about that because i believe they have lost nine or ten straight to uh the Golden State Warriors, and right now they're sitting in kind of the no-man's land in that 4-5 seed, which uh, not only would they have to play a really scrappy Utah team first round on the road in Utah, but if they were lucky, so lucky enough to win that um, playoff series, they're looking at a really, really tough, some would say even better Warriors team than the Warriors team that uh, made it all the way to the finals last year. Um, what about the West? What's uh, what's grabbing your attention in the West? I think that race for the eight seed will still be pretty entertaining. I mean, the Kings are only a game back, even with all the the nonsense that's going on there. The Blazers have been a disappointment, but I would love to see them get back into the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I mean, the the Warriors Blazers series I think was probably one of the more entertaining last year, even though it only went five games. But just seeing. The two backcourts going back and forth, just draining shot after shot, was very fun to watch. I often recorded the games and then watched them in the morning before I went to work because the uh, the West Coast times don't drive as well in Central Coast uh, time. Sure. Central Coast, that's not a thing. But uh, I... Um, I, no, I Central Times, Central yeah. I think, I honestly, I know they're only a half a game in front of the Pelicans, who I said have no chance of making it but i'm kind of i think the mavericks could maybe make a push as well it seems like they sort of did the uh, addition by subtraction of getting uh getting rid of of williams and bogan and then they picked up nerland's noel at the trade deadline who i think could be i actually caught a little bit of his yeah. first game right uh, to start the his new uh, career with dallas and i feel like nerland's they they don't have a lot of really talented big men I know uh, to start the game, they were starting uh, like Dirk and Whiskey at center and Ooh. Harrison Barnes like a power forward. Yes. So uh, I feel like Nerlens Noel could at least make them competitive for uh, that eighth seed. Right now, the eighth seed is held by Denver. And yeah. I really don't know how to assess that team. It just seems like they have a lot of role players and six men on that team. And although it'd be nice to see them make it back to the playoffs, uh, there's a lot of uh, middle-of-the-road teams beneath them, like you mentioned, Portland and, and the Pelicans. And uh, I, I would like to see Dallas. I could definitely see Dallas stealing that um, playoff spot at the end. It, it kind of all depends. It's really how well that this uh, Kings-Pelicans trade works out. Um, maybe the Kings will feel uh, motivated. Maybe we see a, a Rudy Gay resurgence, and uh, he takes them to the, to the playoffs. But... Um, I really am, I, everybody wants to talk about the Warriors, um, but I'm really impressed with, uh, what Houston's done this t- this year, and, uh, Mike D'Antoni's got him playing, like, the old Phoenix Suns again, where was that with the Lakers, Mike? <laughs> um, and I could see Houston, right now they're five, they're about th- three or four games behind San Antonio, but I could definitely see them taking down San Antonio, um, in the playoffs. 
And uh, I, I, even though the Warriors team, this team is is uh, as good of a team as they had, they're about to get 150 wins and or 140 wins in two seasons, and that's really absurd. But the West is just, it's always going to be the West Western Conference, Western Conference. So um, I, I think Houston's going to really uh, raise some eyebrows um, going into the playoffs. But, you know, I, I don't remember if I said this at the beginning of the season, but, like, I mean, why are they even playing the regular season? <laughs> like, let's just fast forward to the conference finals, Cleveland versus whoever they're going to beat in six games versus Warriors versus Rockets or Warriors versus Spurs. And I, w- I want to be surprised in the playoffs. I want to see the Clippers maybe click on all cylinders. I want to see what uh, Gordon Hayward, a.k.a. the White Jesus, is going to do with uh, the Utah Jazz. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with Utah, and I feel like they're, they've, been, they've been cellar dwelling for a while, and I kind of feel like maybe the taste of winning is uh, going to give them a little bit extra juice going into the playoffs. But as far as it stands, like there's, I, it's, it's going to be a Cavs-Warriors uh, rematch. It's all a matter of how difficult it's going to be for each, each team to get there. Yeah, it, barring some kind of major injury to Curry or LeBron, I can't see anything else. And even honestly, even if that does happen with the Warriors, they could still probably beat... I don't know. Spurs Rockets could probably take him, but I uh, yeah, it's <laughs> as the teams are. I mean, I'm not wishing for anyone to get hurt, but as the teams are currently constructed, I think it you'd be foolish to to predict anything besides Warriors Cavs. I'm I'm hoping for something else because I like seeing variety, but I don't know. So I'll enjoy the uh, the race for the eight seed and root for the only person I've ever heard of named Nerlens and uh, that lovely high top fade. <laughs> Gotta love the high oh, bed, keep yeah. it going, Nerland. Yeah. Keep it going. I, I want to say that maybe his parents switched his last name and first name on his birth <laughs> certificate. His real name's supposed to be Noel, and maybe the doctor messed up or something like that. Then he was like 11 know. before they wanted to say anything, and <laughs> it's too late by then. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, we'll keep our eyes on the playoff races here. But I wanted to go back to our first episode before the season where we made some predictions, some bold ones. And see kind of how those are stacking up as the season has developed. So we'll start with one of each, since it was about the same player. It was Russell Westbrook. You had him winning the MVP. I had him with 30 triple-doubles. He currently has 28. They have 24 games to go, so I feel pretty confident that that'll happen. And does he win MVP? Do you, do you still stand by that pick? Do you think someone else will usurp it from him? You know what? As much as I think anybody that's been watching the NBA this year knows without a doubt that Westbrook is at least the most deserving of the MVP. And he really puts the V in MVP in terms of how valuable he is to this team. Um, But as I was saying with one of my friends, it's not the MVP. It's more like the BPBT award, which is Best Player, Best Team Award. Um, and right now, Westbrook, of all the MVP candidates, Westbrook has um, the most losses. I'm looking at basketball references, uh, MVP award tracker. And although I had West, Westbrook is running away and with a lot of these statistical categories, he's putting up 
assist numbers that I think are really unheard of ever since maybe Rondo was uh, a little, um, uh, I don't know, assistant, assister <laughs> back in the day. Um, so I honestly, I think your prediction is going to be correct as far as Westbrook uh, 30 triple-doubles. I, in fact, put it even closer to 40 at this point um, as far as getting triple-doubles. I'm going to... Uh, it's kind of like in, with the Oscars, you know how when they have the Oscars, shout out to the Oscars, by the way, <laughs> they have the who's going to win and who should win. Uh, the who should win is 100% Russell Westbrook, just based on these stats alone. But as far as who's going to win, they look at rec- they take into account uh, their winning record a little bit too much um, as compared to other factors. And with that being said, I think they're going to end up giving it to James Harden just because he's completely changed it. Well, maybe not completely, but he's has sprinkled in a little bit of something into his game, a little bit more passing into his game, um, that I think is going to uh, make him the eventual MVP, if only because he's, at this point, he's won nine more games than James Harden, and he has a better team around him, which shouldn't really matter, but I kind of am leaning towards uh, James Harden as the MVP candidate. I think LeBron, you know, he's always going to be there, but he hasn't had to do as much as he's done in previous years. Uh, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, they're going to split MVP votes. Kawhi Leonard, maybe Isaiah Thomas has been awesome this year. He's another guy that I think uh, could get some uh, recognition for his just jump in his game. But uh, I, I, as much as I think Westbrook is going to win, or I want him to win, I, I don't see him... Uh, winning that MVP unless his team goes on like a 15-game winning streak and takes like a top three seed. That's the only way that's going to happen for him. Yeah, Taj will have to help him make the push. Uh, I agree Maybe. I agree with you on Harden. I think he's probably the, the favorite for it. He does have the best game of the year, which ties in nicely with two of our other predictions, which mine mm-hmm. was that there would be five 50-point games on the season. And James Harden had a 53 points, 16 rebounds, 17 assist evening uh, on New Year's Eve against the New York Knickerbockers. And do we know how many 50 point games that are that, that there have been? This if you're year? counting, I, I say it's if you're counting Anthony, five. it's way more than five. If you're counting Anthony Davis's All Star performance. There's been ten. So if you're not counting that, oh, wow. there's been nine. I uh, but. Just very, yeah, there's just been a lot of scoring. There's actually been three 50-point games that were triple doubles. So maybe that should have been the bold prediction, was five 50-point games where a triple-double also happened. And then it would be a more bold prediction, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's it's just, there's been quite a bit of scoring in the NBA, and it's been wonderful. But the other... Um, one of your bold predictions was that there would there would be a, a quadruple double, and and I was close. It was I don't I believe I said it might have been Westbrook that was gonna get the triple or like Hassan. I don't remember who which player. Yeah, Westbrook and Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. But um, yeah, and the funny part is the person that came closest to the triple double, the quadruple double, excuse me, was um, Draymond Green, and he didn't even get the point. <laughs> Part of the quadruple double, and I think he was like two points or four points short. He was getting a quadruple double. I think he had steals. He had like ten steals in that quadruple double game. And um, 
I just think this is what a time to be alive. To quote Drake in future, what a time to be alive. <laughs> this is probably the best statistical season all around in the NBA. And I just think, I mean, it's it's so much fun when you see a guy that's, I think Draymond Green is 6'8", and he's dishing it out like he's uh, John Stockton. He's crashing the boards like the worm and, and uh, Charles Barkley. And uh, the one game that he has to get a quadruple double, and he does it in the most unselfish way possible by only getting <laughs> like three field goals. So I was actually, I, I was surprised. I mean, even though it didn't come true, I'm, I'm impressed at how just physically talented this, this NBA team is. Even guys that probably aren't even going to make an all-rookie third team are uh, putting up some of the most ridiculous numbers of the season. And I'm not counting out a quadruple-double to happen this season. I could definitely see Draymond maybe putting up like a 9-10-10-9 and 10, and 9 game. <laughs> so uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed to see that quadruple-double. I'm going to weep a tear. Uh, 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 um, a basketball-shaped tier if uh, that happens. <laughs> would, you, would you count it if uh, it was points, rebounds, assists, and turnovers? No, because we've had... Uh, uh, I believe they were called like Jason Kidd tripled up <laughs> when you have like the points, assists, and like 10 turnovers. And I wouldn't count that. But I would say... Um, I don't know. I'd like to see like a trip, uh, quadruple-double with like the points, rebounds, assists, and maybe like... Um, I don't know, like three-pointers or uh, oh, nice. or something weird along those lines. I don't know if that would count either, but um, I think it's going to – I still think it's going to happen. I think these players are just – they're freaky. They're freaky, and I could see them doing that earlier, later on this season. Yeah, some of these stat lines are just incredible. So I, I would like to see it as well. And, yeah, I'm all for it being stats that aren't points too. Draymond almost got us there, but – yeah. <laughs> still got time. Still got time. So we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here with the top three, as every episode ends with. And I want to know your top three surprises thus far from the NBA season. Um. Well, let's see. I'm going to kind of combine these two uh, because they both, there are two teams that have really surprised me this year. I'd say the Rockets and the Jazz being... Um, the third and fourth seed uh, in the in the West. Um, I just I'm really impressed with how um, Mike D'Antoni has been able to put this team together, and it feels like they're clicking on all cylinders. And uh, I'll include James Harden into the into the uh, biggest surprises just because he's, his game is it's it's amazing. And I'm I'm wearing a my Oklahoma City uh, Kevin Durant jersey right now. And I kind of have to cry every time I look at it just to think of what Oklahoma City had on their team and how many championships deep they'd be in right now if they only would have uh, kept Harden on, uh, on the team. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Houston as uh, one of the bigger, biggest surprises just of like how many three-pointers they're putting up a game. It's, just, it's really absurd to me. So uh, I'll, I'll put that up in uh, one of my surprises. I'll put, um, I think this is kind of like a boring one, but I, the, the Boogie Cousins trade was really kind of a surprise for me, if only because of what they didn't get back in return. Um, I know the Lakers were looking to send some, uh, some really good pieces over there, maybe a Brandon Ingram or Julius Randle for DeMarcus Cousins. And um, I really wish uh, the Kings maybe would have got more 
out of that deal because as a kid, as a Laker fan growing up, as much as I hated the Kings, like the NBA was really fun to watch when the Kings were competitive because they got a really, really great fan base out there. Even if uh, Sacramento is uh, not even the top 50 best cities in California. <laughs> um, so so uh, there's, two, um, there's two surprises right now. And um, you know what? There's, I could really go anywhere with, um, with uh, the rest of these surprises. One surprise, really, uh, I'm a little disappointed in Brandon Ingram watching the Lakers this year. He's leading all rookies in minutes. Um, but he's something like 33rd out of all rookies in win shares. Um, in fact, I think he even has a negative win share stat. Ooh. And to be ranked 33rd when you're the second pick overall, um, it's a little concerning. I know he's still got to put on weight um, and uh, refine his game a little bit more. But um, I'm expect- I wanted a little bit more out of Brandon Ingram this year. So I think this year's crop of rookies in general has been rather disappointing and but really the only rookie that has been the most exciting this year wasn't even drafted in 2016. That's Joel Embiid. Um, uh, and just seeing him just destroy the league, and if we could call it that, just seeing him perform as well as he can, is it's been really fun to watch Joel Embiid. But I'll say uh, a surprise, just the 2016 draft class. I mean, we're not even going to get to see Ben Simmons play this year, which is, a big, another basketball-shaped tear coming down <laughs> from my eye. Um, and then a bonus, uh, I'll throw in a bonus uh, surprise, and that's just, is it really a surprise if you pre- if the Knicks are bad? Like, <laughs> is that something that surprises you if the Knicks are bad? I think it was surprising really, that they like, missed a player for, a player went missing for <laughs> two days. Oh, well, that, yeah, that's kind of, that, that's a surprise in itself. Just like, hey, I'm not going to go to my game this uh <laughs> tonight so <laughs> i just uh the knicks have just been oh my gosh but with the whole charles oakley incident like these are all not they, maybe they're not big surprises but they are they're shocking um like what is mellow just gonna be like uh i'm trying to think of a older equivalent maybe like a barkley where like they're not really built to win but i mean at least barkley got to like a finals one year um, but I do not know what's going on with the Knicks. I don't know if they need to make a trade. Uh, I mean, obviously, it sounds like they need a new owner, but um, that's not something you could trade a new owner for. So um, I'm just a little disappointed in the Knicks. I really wanted them to do more. Uh, right now, they're four games out of the play- out of the eighth seed, and this is a team with enough talent to um, – and, like, Derrick Rose still has a little bit left in the tank. I mean, Porzingis is still – I mean, I just feel bad for a guy like Porzingis that is having his uh, development done it a little bit just mm-hmm. because of the dysfunction that's surrounding this. Those are my predictions and surprises, or surprises, excuse me. I like it. I like it. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully this rookie class gets a little bit better because they have not been good. So maybe Buddy Heald changing yeah. scenery, maybe that spurs him a little bit, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see some magic on the court from these rooks. Cool, man. I've got nothing left. I'm NBA tapped out. You know what? I think we covered a lot of bases. Um, I know it's Oscars, and I know you were chatting a little bit before the, uh, about the Oscars. Was there any movies that you saw this year that uh, you thought are Oscar-worthy? Uh, I saw Hidden Figures, which I really liked a lot. Janelle Monet is like my breakout star of 20. 20- 
what's I guess 2016. Um, but yeah, she, she was really good in that. Um, the movie as a whole, I very much enjoyed as well. And I, I believe that's the only movie I saw that was nominated <laughs> for best picture. Uh, I'm trying to think what the other yeah. ones are, but I definitely missed out on a lot of them. Zootopia is probably going to win best animated film. I thought that was really good. That okay. if you haven't seen Zootopia, at least YouTube uh, the sloth scene, which is yeah maybe like the three best minutes of film I've ever seen. It's very very well done. Um, well, I think the only Oscar contender I saw was, uh, and I think the only category it might be nominated in is uh, like costume design. But I really enjoyed Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Nice. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty clever movie. Um, but as far as predictions, I'm just going to say, I mean, La La Land's probably going to sweep everything. And uh, if Meryl Streep's nominated for anything, go ahead and give her a award. Or at least give her a microphone so we could hear what she has to say. Yeah, maybe if La La Land wins like, all of its awards just one at a time, just be like, look, we're going to let Meryl talk for a little bit. You guys clearly <laughs> said the same thing every time. Like, let's let's differentiate it a little bit. We'll keep our eyes open for that. Yeah, that'll be great. All right. Well, yeah, man. Thank you so much for for taking the time to chat, and uh, we'll we'll talk again soon. I really appreciate it. You know, I love me some NBA, even when it's in a, another down year for the Lakers. Uh, this has been a it's been a really exciting year as far as basketball. I think every team has at least one team, one player that you would enjoy watching, and um, uh, I look forward to maybe talking to you around playoff time, and uh, we'll see how the rest of these, uh, or maybe the end of the season, maybe we'll make some uh, end of the season uh, final awards picks uh, for the next podcast. Sounds like a plan. Thanks everyone for listening. And have you see? I heard about the movie Constipated. No, it hasn't. It hasn't come out yet. Get after it today, people. <laughs> <laughs>